Welcome to Nana Tings. So this is part two of owning your narrative, and I had a special guest, Courtney, on this, and we get into some really deep, deep things. Um, a lot of uh, we go over a lot of things about trauma, trauma bonding, emotionally mature parents, all that. I really recommend uh, listening to the first episode with my own experiences so you can sort of see like where this theme is going. And, but we named it Fifty Shades of Fucked Up and it was Courtney's idea because it really is true. I think we all believe that like, you know, I talked about this in the My Sad Boys Club episode that like, oh my gosh, like everyone has their shit together. Maybe everyone's a mess. Like, no, people are Fifty Shades of Fucked Up. <laughs> but before we get into it, per usual, I'm going to play some ads real quick. So... While you're listening to your ads, grab your champagne, grab your wine, grab your blunt, grab your tea, or whatever the fuck you want, and enjoy the ride. Don't forget to check out my new book, Antonio's Return, available now on Amazon and at Barnes & Noble. It is an amazing book that talks about my journey of approaching 30, and it has a lot of astronomical uh, themes involved and I would really love if you all could check it out it, it means so much to me for anyone that's listening to this episode if you ever feel like you need help or need to talk to someone about a mental health crisis I will be listing different numbers and different prevention organizations in the bio of this episode so please do not feel afraid to call someone if you need help and of course if it is an emergency or something extreme please call 911 here at Nana Tings and I have a special guest to talk about some trauma, some tings. I got Courtney over her. Hey girl. Hey. What up, Blue? <laughs> Not much. Just chilling in sunny South Florida. Oh, is that where you are right now? Yeah, I'm in Miami. Oh, hey. Okay. I did not know that. I thought you were, wait, do you live in Miami? Do I not know that? Miami now. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Except I was in Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We, uh, we were going to have like um, a whole moving moment there. I We kept going like monthly and then we decided, I was like, mm, I'm maybe going to do LA instead. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend moving down here. <laughs> I don't know how you put up with it. <laughs> Central. <laughs> Literally. Um, so I met you through Oksana, right? Yeah. Yeah, we met Oksana in uh, Long Beach. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Damn. Um, boy <laughs> yeah I was like that's been a minute um yeah. but I'm a fan of yours anyways um always your oh. Instagram and looking gorgeous as always <laughs> <laughs> that but, means so yeah I uh let's get into this so I know you're in a book and I'm really excited to talk to you about some things um anyone that's listening right now Courtney and I actually just touched base before the podcast and her and I are both going through uh, similar like eye-awakening moments about like things that have happened in childhood or relationships that have affected current relationships um, and trying to break that pattern. So I have her as my first guest on this new series to really just, I don't know, make people aware of like this shit that's wired when we're children, right? Or teenagers or whenever. Um, so Court, I'm gonna let you take, yeah, take it over and like you could start and let me know like what you're, what you're feeling. Sure. Um, so to kind of preface this, I have a great relationship with both of my parents. So I'm just, you know, kind of going to go through some of the emotional immaturities um, that my parents 
kind of had with me as the parent role. Um, but I'm going through the healing process with them and I have a great relationship with them. So I just want to make that clear. Um, but basically, um, my mom was a victim of sexual abuse. Um, and my dad is gay. He's been with his partner for 25 years. Um, so prior to, you know, my dad being gay, my parents were married for about seven years. Um, and my mom, um, had a really hard time dealing with her sexual abuse. Um, she was abused sexually as a child. And um, due to the sexual abuse, she had an eating disorder. Um, so she was actually a food addict, which not a lot of people really understand what a food addict is because they associate eating disorders with bulimia and anorexia. But um, food addiction is when someone is suppressing their emotions with like flour and sugar and just binge eating without the purging. Um, so most of my childhood, I saw my mom do a roller coaster with that. And she would go to meetings um, and it essentially put a lot of uh, burden on her relationship with my father. Um, my dad is a major control freak um, to give people some background of my ethnicity. My mom is Hispanic, she's Peruvian, and my dad is from Iran. Oh, wow. um, hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but my family, I have a lot of family from Israel, so we're Persian Jews as well. Um, so my dad comes from like a very strict culture. And so with my mom being an addict and kind of, you know, having that out of control behavior, that um, that kind of connects to the addiction. Um, my dad and her had a really hard time in the marriage and put aside being gay, you know, just that alone is like a whole other element to the relationship. Right. So, uh, when I was three, they got divorced. Um, my dad started dating other men probably a year after my parents got divorced. Um, but he didn't come out until I was nine years old. And I will never forget the day that he came out because I was visiting. He used to come visit me every other weekend. My mom mainly had custody of me. And uh, we went to Borders Bookstore. And my dad would buy me like a CD every time we like got together. And at the time, NSYNC was like the new hot boy band. <laughs> so, um, for whatever reason, I knew my dad was gay prior to him telling me. Um, he had just had this guy move down from Ohio and I was questioning my family members. And my dad was seeing a therapist at the time and the therapist said to him, you know, your daughter knows that you're gay. Because my dad was telling her like what circumstances were going on. And you know, my daughter's asking these questions and she goes, you need a daughter. Well, the therapist failed to tell him you should probably tell the mother first before you tell the nine-year-old daughter, right? <laughs> so we're sitting at Borders and, um, you know, my dad goes, you know, I need to talk to you about something. And I was like, so happy I had my NSYNC CD and he goes, you know, I'm gay. And immediately I started crying and he goes, why are you crying? And I said, well, what are my friends going to think, you know? And he goes, but it's not a big deal. And I, Immediately, you know, the, when you're a kid, your resilience level is just so quick. Absolutely. So immediately, like five minutes later, I was laughing and I was so happy about my NSYNC CD that it didn't phase me anymore. So he dropped me off that night. I came home 
And uh, my mom asked me how my visit was with my dad. She was, <laughs> she was washing the dishes and I said, it was great. I got my new NSYNC CD, daddy's gay. And all of a sudden I heard all the dishes crash in the sink. And my mom was like, what the fuck? And she picks up the phone. She starts, she calls my dad. She's cursing him out. I'm crying because I feel guilty. You know, I, you know, I didn't know um, how much weight that held, you know, for my mom being married to someone for that long and kind of being like lied to, you know, even though that wasn't his intention. I mean, he comes from a Persian Jewish background and, you know, that is so frowned upon in that culture, let alone the U.S. culture alone. You know, now it's being a little bit more accepted, but it was frowned upon back in the day as well. So, you know, add that element of being Jewish and Persian and that's like, you know, they want to kill you. So um, dealing with that as a young child was a lot for me. Um, I had a lot of instability in my house. My mom changed my schools like every two years. Um, she remarried when I was about six years old to a great guy. They're still married. Um, and they had my half brother, Zachary, who's amazing. Um, and the instability of my mom's eating disorder and, you know, going from school to school. Um, and I would also like do sports and like figure skating and ballet. My mom would put me in those, you know, activities and then pull me out. I was never able to fully develop a support system for myself. Um, so I found, found myself solely relying on me because my mom, you know, struggling with the food addiction and me constantly going to the meetings with her. Um, it made me an adult very quickly. Um, and you know, I'm going to fast forward a little bit because I don't want to be long winded, but to like my teenage years, um, if I get emotional, I'm sorry. Oh, this is a safe space and an open platform. So I, yeah. I just want to say I get I so much respect to you for being open. So thank you actually for sharing your vulnerability. Yeah, thank you. No, seriously. Um, I, I love helping people and I really hope this helps people that are listening. Um, so, you know, my mom and I, when I, you know, started to become a teenager, you know, you kind of pull away from your parents. You want to be with your friends. Um, and I think my mom had a really hard time with me pulling away because she was so used to me being like this mommy's girl and always being there. So when I started to make my own friends and I started to rebel a little bit, like, you know, normal teenage rebellion, um, my mom became more controlling. Um, so there was an incident when I was in eighth grade where I had just changed schools and, um, I like, there was a lot of boys that were like giving me attention and the popular girls were being mean to me. Um, and I remember having to like eat in the bathroom because no one, no one of the girls wanted to be my friend and they were like threatening to beat me up. And I remember trying to talk to my parents about it and they weren't really listening to me. Um, and I started to act out and I started to skip school and um, I ran away from home and the police brought me back and my mom ba Baker acted me. Um, and then someone in my school found out that I was being Baker acted and then they started calling me like the crazy girl. 
Um, so I attempted to commit suicide. Um, that fall week, I took like 50 Zoloft pills um, and I got really sick and I threw up. And I remember like my mom coming in the room and she just like yelling at me because I threw up on the floor. Um, and from that moment, I just like had a really hard time with my emotions. And I felt like I was like, I didn't have anyone to turn to, I, you know, I, my mom was a great mom, but to, to her capability, you know, not enough for what I needed. And um, so because of that, I ended up getting, going to boarding school. Um, my mom sent me to an all girls boarding school when I was 14 years old. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with like the Me Too movement, um, the Paris Hilton documentary where she was, in, yes. she was in a boarding school. So I went to a school very similar to that. Um, it, abusive, right? They're like very strict and all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a lockdown facility um, and we weren't allowed to talk 75% of the day. Um, we, yeah. It's, it's even hard for me to, to tell people because it's so unbelievable um, when I look back to, to even think that I could have gone through that at such a young age and such a mold, like, you know, that's when your mind is being molded and being manipulated into the person that you're going to be as an adult. I mean, those years, yeah. they're so imperative, you know, so um, you know, and I was dealing with girls that had done drugs. I mean, I was, I was like an angel compared to these girls, you know, like I just wanted to go to parties with my friends. Like, you know, I hadn't touched a drug or done alcohol and I was 14 years old. I was still pretty young. Um, so like the first three months you're there, you're not allowed to talk to anybody, like to your parents at all. You write letters twice a week. Um, and then you're allowed to do, your parents are allowed to come for two days after three months and they have to stay on site. Um, it's a year program, but you can stay longer. So I went through that and my parents pulled me out, I would say after 10 months. That alone was extremely traumatic for me. Um, it was Southern Baptist. We went to church three times a day. We... We weren't allowed to form relationships with the other girls. We, you know, if we did, they would put us on something called separation. Um, we weren't allowed to talk about any of our friends back home, any type of secular music, any movies that we didn't watch there. We weren't allowed to talk about that. I mean, basically all you were allowed to talk about when you were allowed to talk was about God and your family and like a very surface way. Um, so then I went to, I, then I was going into 10th grade. Um, so after that, you know, I was kind of on my best behavior because uh, my mom's type of discipline, disciplinary actions would be to threaten. So she would threaten a lot um, and hold it over my head. So I was always scared of, you know, what she would do next. Um, and, you know, in the meantime, she's still de dealing with her addiction as well. And you know, I always say, and as I, you know, studied addiction and narcissism and all of that, even though an, a, maybe an addict isn't 
you know, let's say a drug drug addict isn't going to drugs. They just use something else and they're still an addict at heart. Like they don't just change an addict. Yeah. 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 She still has that personality, you know, no matter how you want to put it, it's just, it, it is what it is. So, um, you know, for two years I did pretty good. And then my 11th grade year, I started to get comfortable and I ha- had a great g- group of girlfriends and we would go part like to parties, like a normal high school girl, whatever. Um, so there was one instant where me and my girlfriend snuck out to go to the park to meet these guys and we got caught. And, um, you know, my mom called my dad and she's like, I can't do this anymore. And, uh, so my dad was like, you're coming to live with me in Miami. Cause my dad at the time lived in Miami. And, um, I remember my dad saying, you know, we're, we're going to go to this hotel conference that I have for work, um, in Miami and I'm going to bring you and you have to wake up really early. And I said, okay. So obviously I was like really upset about the whole situation because I, you know, was thinking I'm going to have to go to a new school. My dad was super strict, um, you know, and my parents were really mad at me, you know, and they found my MySpace and all my pictures with my friends that you don't want your parents to see, whatever. So the next morning we get to this hotel and a big black SUV pulls up and two big guys come out of the car and they take me into the car and they drive me back to boarding school. So I went to boarding school a second time. I feel like your life so far has like, is like a lifetime movie or something. Like, <laughs> I know. I told you I have a lot to unload. This, oh, just a side note, like this just shows like I need parents to be better. Like stop for a second, just ask how your kid is doing. It, it's Uh, lacking emotional intimacy leads to this behavior that's why we want emotional Mm -hmm. to your parents yeah it's deprivation but continue sorry I'm just no I don't want to I don't want to be long-winded or sound you know be repetitive story is necessary because it's showing how I'm already picking up the clue like all you wanted was emotional validation or like when you were being bullied and eating in the bathroom, you just wanted your mom to say, how are you not yell at you? And mm-hmm. that, that little difference goes a long way. Mm-hmm. You know, being dismissive when you're young, with parents dismissing you could really fuck you up. Um, yeah. I have my own battles with that. And so, yeah, that, that's what I'm picking up right now. I see a lot of similarities from my childhood with yours. Obviously not the boarding school, but a lot of the other, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it- yeah no I mean it doesn't necessarily have to be the same situation but I mean the emotional patterns absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah it's you know what's so funny it's um even if the parent's different they have similar behavior it's it's similar dismissiveness and neglection that like will hurt the kid Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and you know a, a part of it is just to like take a note on that like a part a part of it is how they were raised and how they were taught Mm -hmm. so it's it's hard for me sometimes because I'm like why didn't they do this you know and then I'm like but did they have the capability to to be that parent and they didn't and then but then that's that's normal thought by the way like I want you to know if you have any resentment or anger you get so Mm -hmm. parent. I know that they're physically there but what I've been working my therapist is resentment is fine it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It's taking the trauma and being like, fuck. And anger is yeah. fine too. As long as you're not acting hus- like hostile, 
as long as you're just anger, angry and being constructive about it, that's also normal. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, because then it's us dismissing our feelings, like our feelings yep. were just, yep. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So we need to validate our emotions. All about getting that rage, getting, getting yeah. that, you know, because oh. there's, there's light and there's closure out of it, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I went to boarding school the second time. My parents told me you're not allowed to leave until you graduate high school. Um, so I really had a, I had a fire lit under my ass to graduate ASAP. Um, and I mean, I graduated within, I want to say 11 months. So I graduated six months early. Um, but within that time frame, they had new owners, um, and the school was actually much worse the second time around a lot more, not that it could have gotten any more strict, but I think that they were just like extremely tit for tat there was less communication time or you know and less communication between like my peers you know I didn't have that and I just remember like graduating from boarding school not having a clue about college not knowing anything about what to do with my life I had the mind of like a 13 year old girl you know like I wouldn't say emotionally but I would just say like just street street smarts, you know, being able to navigate, like doing college courses and, you know, figuring out what I want to do, you know, and not saying that an 18 year old is going to know that, but I did not have any knowledge of that whatsoever. Um, you know, and that brought me to a huge block of chaos in my life in my early twenties it's like a snowball effect, right? So like all these things happen in your childhood and then they kind of trickle in through high school. And now you're like, okay, that's it. You're a young adult now. Take care of it yourself. (laughs) So, (laughs) (laughs) and now it's like, you're cleaning up the fucking mess. Oh my gosh, right. I'm about to be 30 in three weeks and I'm over here sweeping everything before I turn 30. I'm like, I just (laughs) want to get everything together. Well, let me tell you, I'm 32. The 30, your 30s are going to be the best years of your life. I can already feel right. I feel like I'm already feeling the healing, you know. So I feel like it's going to just get better. <laughs> yeah, and the fucks you give are none. No fucks given, you know. So that's that's like a very healing aspect of it too, you know. Um, but yeah, so you know, I got out of boarding school. I graduated early. Um, another thing was is my when I came back to Florida my mom decided she wanted to move to Tennessee with my brother and my stepdad she has nothing in Tennessee she just always has wanted to move there and and so for me that kind of really hurt me because I was like finally home you know and now you're leaving and you know I remember right before I started I went to I, I went to FAU and we went to my dad's office and my dad was like okay like it was very transactional he's like I'm going to give you this much money this uh, a week and you're going to go to school and you're going to get these grades and you know, you're not going to work and you're going to graduate with this and yada, yada, you know, whatever. So I ended up completely like flunking out of college. Like I partied Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I made up for all those times in boarding school where they thought I drank and I had sex. I like multiplied that by a thousand in college. I didn't give a fuck. That's a um, reaction to have when you're in boarding school twice. Like absolutely. That is going to happen, right? Like, yeah. I mean, you put a, a teenager, right? In like a, a prison and yeah. then literally put them in a 
freedom. Like you don't have any authority. You're in a dorm with other crazy peers that just want to drink and have fun. I was still a virgin when I left boarding school. So, I mean. I go in college for the same reason. My mom had a very tight grip on me growing up. So when uh, I'm the first of my family, the firstborn, and I was like, freshman year, I was psychotic. Like, (laughs) like crazy. uh, yeah it's manic I was very manic (laughs) I mean I I still think I can kind of be that way but you know I've tamed it down a little bit (laughs) but but um yeah so that was a really rough time for me my early 20s I definitely suffered the repercussions of my actions um there you know I'm, I'm gonna be very like honest and transparent on here um I had a video go viral in college and um, that was the end of going to FAU for a while for me. My roommate sent the video to my dad and my, yeah, I don't even know how she got his email address. I hate people. I, okay. I hate all people to be on record, but I, I dislike people about this, that like, why are you putting your nose in like, someone else's business like that yeah I mean it was uh, seriously it, it is like a lifetime movie when you really think about it because she had <laughs> literally, no- literally <laughs> I'm at a pitches podcast episode two lifetime <laughs> like Courtney got all the tea for you girl like <laughs> everyone better follow my ass my movie is coming next guys <laughs> your Instagram will be in the description because I, I think like I said this episode is going to help a lot of people so I definitely want your like info out there in case you know you're you're, no, help, you're helping out. yeah no um definitely that's my purpose definitely not for a following I just really really want to help people with my story absolutely um but yeah I my dad pulled me out of college and then um after that, you know, I tried living with my dad for a few months, him and his husband, and it was too hard. He was way too strict on me. He was like, your curfew's 10 o'clock and I'm 19, 20 years old. And I'm like, no, you know, and um, he's like, fine, then you're going to go live with your mom in Tennessee. So I flew to Tennessee. Um, I lasted three weeks in Tennessee with my mom. Uh, she kicked me out, long story short because I didn't get, she told me I didn't have a curfew, but that I had to go to church on Sunday with them. And uh, they didn't wake me up for church. And I got home really late the night before. And my mom came home from church that day. And she's like, you, she's like, you need to get out and go. And I had, I mean, I knew no one in Tennessee. I basically within the day, found a place to like sublet a room and I drove from Tennessee to Florida and I worked three jobs for three years and I went and put myself through nursing school um didn't talk to my parents for probably a good 18 months after that situation happened um but as much anger as I had towards that whole situation that really helped me like move forward in my life. And it was a pivotal moment because I was like, no one is going to help you, but you, and you're going to have to make some changes because you're responsible for your life at the end of the day. Like, even though your parents have you, and it's not an excuse for parents for bad parenting at all, but you, you become an adult at the end of the day. So as much as these emotional traumas 
are, you know, indicated by our parents, we have to take responsibility of what we're going to do with the emotional traumas, you know, and it's, it's hard when you're in your twenties, you really don't know how to navigate through those emotions. You don't have the emotional maturity to, you know, identify certain things. So, um, you know, I went through nursing school. My parents were so proud of me. Um, and then I got into a very toxic relationship with someone, um, for about almost four years, um, who, you know, we're all familiar with. Um, but you know, that, that was a very codependent relationship. And looking back at that now, I mean, that was a really, really hard thing for me to get over that breakup really broke me. And, um, probably one of those hardest things I went through, you know, with all those stories that I've told you, that was probably one of the hardest things that I went through. Um, because when you love someone and I'm like a very passionate person, I'm very sensitive, I'm extremely codependent. Um, and we gravitate or I tend to gravitate towards very narcissistic men or people people like my parents, men like my parents, you know, no, and I always say we, because I'm on the same boat yeah. as you. Uh, yeah. My last two ex same, I have the savior complex where, mm -hmm. you know, we want, we want to take in the damage or we want to give the emotional intimacy that we didn't get as kids. And mm -hmm. it's really rooted from childhood. Like you said, like you can't take away from bad parenting, bad parenting is bad. And it is up to us to Regard your life, so I'm proud that you did that. But you know, your early 20s, you're mentally fucked up from your childhood. So you're trying Absolutely. to figure out how do I work on it and be an adult. But also, I'm so young, and society's telling me to be an adult, and I'm still traumatized by my childhood. So it becomes just like, mm -hmm. and then you get in a relationship in your mid 20s. Then it becomes mm -hmm. just like, you know, like, oh my God, you need me. I feel needed for once. I'm getting my like intimacy. Bam, and then it becomes a codependent relationship. And it takes a lot of courage to know that. And I totally get taking months or years to get over a breakup because narcissists are good at mm. like that, right? They're good at that manipulation. And they'll get yeah. people, uh, sensitive people and passionate people and broken people where we have mm. broken tendencies and vulnerabilities and they will literally latch on to that. Yeah, yeah. And they suck you, like your emotions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why? Actually, like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, so I was in Dallas at the time when the when the breakup happened, and um, like I had moved from Austin to Dallas, so I had left that relationship in Austin, and I was like, I loved Dallas because that's originally where we, we started our relationship. So when I went back to Dallas, you know, single, I was having the time of my life, and I didn't really process those feelings right away of the breakup. And it really wasn't until like, I want to say eight months after the breakup, I spiraled into this severe depression. Um, I ended up having to go on like disability with my job and I didn't leave my apartment for like three months only to like walk my dog. And my parents kind of, you know, this is when my mom started to become a mom, you know, at the age of <laughs> 28. Uh, can we talk about that real quick? I know, like mine is just starting to come down. I'm 29. Like, I'm like, come on, sis. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You have to laugh at it at this point. Cause like, I'm over the tears and being hurt. I'm, I'm at a point of like, you know, finally moving on from it, but mm -hmm. damn. Yeah. Like 
what, yeah what took you so yeah yeah seriously it was like clock is ticking hon and uh you're like 30 years too late but yeah, it's like you couldn't show me emotional death when i was six but okay yeah. <laughs> better late than never i guess yeah yeah you know but yeah and so she kind of took me under her wing and um they made me move back i did not want to move back to south florida it was the last thing i wanted to do but i did and it was about for me um so you know fast forward to today I'm still working through you know I see a lot now I'm starting to see more of these emotional traumas come up in relation dating relationships uh-huh. and it's so frustrating for oh, me tell me about it yeah <laughs> <laughs> because a part of me thinks I'm ready and then I like, you know, and then I start to see like these, I want to call them like bad habits of the insecurities and the codependency and the things that I'm trying to work on and control, they pop up and it's like, you want to just like hit it and say like, fuck off, you know, and it's not that easy, you know, and I'm attracted to the same men. And I'm like, why can't I like a nice guy? Why do I have to like, the hot fuck boy that likes every girl, you know, or is a club promoter or has this like persona. They're all the same. They're charismatic. They're funny. They're good looking. They have money, but they're all liars and cheaters. Literally. I, <laughs> I'm going through something similar. I had a, I had a moment in Vegas two months ago where I met someone. I was like, Oh my gosh, he's so amazing. Like, this is like a travel love. And then he like was a fuck boy and like fucked me over. And I like got trapped within 24 hours. And I was like, Antonio, what are you doing? You're doing all this good self-work and like not dating or being attracted to toxic people and it keeps happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's just the more self-work you do, right? I feel like the more you talk to a therapist or you self-reflect, I feel like you start, it's gonna take time, right? I feel like you just start wiring all this because we're, you and I are both conditioned, you know, in the sense of like emotional neglection and um, self, you know, codependency. Mm-hmm. I would also say, um, which is kind of similar. I don't know if, if you've seen the act, which is on Hulu. It's about Gypsy Rose. The girl, you need to watch that. Um, it's a little different because the mom had like Munchausen, um, but she conditioned her daughter to believe that she was sick and ill. And the daughter became extremely codependent on her. And up until she was like 16, you know, she thought that she was like mentally retarded and had cancer. The mom was actually drugging her to be debilitated. And the girl ended up meeting this guy online and ended up murdering the mom. Um, I mean, I hate to laugh. They were- What a twist. (laughs) Ah, no, it's, but if you can, like how we said earlier, you know, situations, not everyone's situation is the same, but the emotional traumas are very parallel. yeah. And I think a lot of people, I don't even want to say naive, but don't have the self-awareness to even realize that we have more in common than we think when it comes to emotional traumas. Um, because these fuckboys that we're attracted attracted to probably most likely have these emotional traumas as well. Oh, yeah. So I've read a book, which I need to send you. It is The Adult Children of Emotionally Mature Parents. And it's by a psychologist. And this book changed my life. I finished it within a week. And okay. it talks about tra- traumatizing moments. They create internalizers and externalizers. So you and I mm-hmm. are, well, you could be a little bit of a mix because you had your moments of like really reacting as mm-hmm. a, you know, a high schooler. But an internalizer would be someone that like, 
pulls all the emotions inside, right? So we let it out mm-hmm. by writing or by finally blowing up when we tick. Externalizers are those like fuck boys or manic people where they are always doing actions for um, help, right? Like you'll look at someone and be like, oh wow, fourth day being like drunk on the corner or something like, you know, they're putting their trauma out there. And I think fuck boys are externalizers. I think they are hurt from something in their past that they can't deal with. And they let it out by lots of sex, a lot mm-hmm. of manipulation, a lot of that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, all, it really all stems from childhood. At the end of the day, like, yeah, that's what we all have in common, to be honest. <laughs> it's like if yeah. you had something messed up and you didn't talk about it when you were younger, it will follow you until adulthood. And then not everyone is developed like you and I where they're intuitive to work on it. Absolutely. So just become a douchebag, to be honest, yeah. <laughs> Shades of fucked up. That's that's all we are. <laughs> yeah, every human on this earth, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. literally. Because you know, no parent's perfect, right? Um right. no child is perfect. It could be from getting injured to a violent household to yell it at. Like there's so many situations where um you it could just traumatize your life and it's sad, but like that's where we're having these conversations, is that I'm hoping mm-hmm. I, I think for you and I to even meet a nice boy that is, you know self-secure and intimate Mm -hmm. i i think they need to be vulnerable right people need Mm -hmm. to talk about this more because it's absolutely so let me add this may be repetitive to your listeners but how did your parents take you like when you came out how did they handle that was that trauma or surprisingly no my mom was so fine with it um yeah so i grew up with just my mom um i haven't really talked to my dad since i was like 16 17 ish Mm-hmm. Um, surprisingly like daddy issue wise um I really like didn't have that I was like happy to just be raised on my mom's side but <laughs> my emotional trauma is more like um being a single mom my mom had to work so many jobs and also she had a very very bad childhood like lost her parents both parents when she was 12 oh um, god but before that her dad would beat her weekly like tie her up like literally abuse her so wow she would me being the firstborn and sort of the father figure for my little brother i had to be an adult at the age of eight right so mm-hmm. i was traumatizing but then i also was beaten if mm-hmm. for no reason getting a b on a test backslap do you know that a chair thrown at me like she's italian and very very explosive mm-hmm. so i grew up just with that trauma of like being scared every day at home if i'm gonna get beaten mm-hmm. Um, and also being a father figure as a fucking kid <laughs> like it's very um it's weird though because like that in the book that I was just talking about it talks about like an emotionally immature parent could be a good physical parent like when you're sick giving you mm-hmm. a room, putting you in school so mm-hmm. it may seem or like being gay for example like okay like okay he has a sexuality cool but when it comes to intimacy like depth talks it was mm-hmm. there, you know yeah it's very surface yeah um it's harmful though like I definitely have opened up this wound just like a month ago because it's it's crazy how you could suppress mm-hmm. you had to make your parents seem like an idol and yeah the older you're like whoa I was more <laughs> than you and I was only six or eight or whatever it was you know yeah yeah it's kind of uh, I hate to use this analogy but it's kind of like wrapping shit in a bow you know <laughs> that's like a terrible analogy because i'm saying that our parents are a piece of shit but no it's i think their actions were that's for sure i'm sorry stv and boarding school without you knowing is very traumatizing and then for me getting like a hit for no reason very that that is a piece of shit of action (laughs) yeah 
Yes, that is absolutely. I have tolerance for abuse. Um, it's actually crazy. So I haven't really used my nursing license in the past, like three, four years. I kind of switched to the business side, but, um, I actually am kind of deterring back to nursing and into mental health. Um, and I want to work for domestic abuse, um, women and children. So I, not that I was domestically abused, but you know, I really, really big on like mental health and these emotional traumas and really helping people. I, I feel like not only my situation, but just in general, being exposed to my, my family's situation. I mean, my mom came from a very abusive household, my dad as well. Um, you know, there's just so much to unravel and unfold. And there's so much emotional immaturity, immaturity that comes along with that, you know? So, um, this has really been like eye-opening for me, even talking about it. Every time I talk about it, there's always something new that comes up and I'm like, wow, I can't, can't believe I did that. Or I can't believe I went through that. It's like almost not real when you start to talk about it, but you know, it's, it's what makes you a stronger person. And if you can be self-aware and, you know, take hold of what it is that's holding you back from your fullest and biggest potential, I think that you can unlock amazing things to come in the future for you. Like I, I truly believe that. And not only you need to manifest it and you also yeah. need to work yourself. Yeah. I agree. I am talking to you right now. Like I I'm in that phase of like, you know how there's like different levels of like uh, grief. So I'm mm -hmm. obviously grieving a little bit of my emotional robbed childhood because when you're traumatized, you are emotionally robbed. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I'm at that level of that resentment, but the resentment is finally like starting to leave. So even speaking to you right now, like it's just, I think the more we look back at our past or like things that we did or what we were affected by really helps leave that resentment level. And like this conversation alone, I'm like, I just feel more like, wow, okay, I'm not alone, right? Mm -hmm. Like I never wish this on anyone, but when you start seeing people your age or your generation, you're like, mm -hmm. whoa, okay, like, we have a lot of shit to work on and it's cool to know that like your friends that are going through similar emotional wounds, you know, like, cause sometimes it could be lonely, right? You could be in your room and be like, why am I so fucked up? Or I did this, or am I going to, you know, like those anxiety self-doubt thoughts are literally shit, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. <laughs> these conversations sometimes, sure help. Yeah. 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 But, exactly. Uh, alive. Yeah, I, uh, but yeah, this was such a good conversation to wrap things up. I, I just want to ask you a final question. What would, so for people listening to this, right, what would be some advice that you would give, whether you learned it from yourself or therapy or whatever, uh, to someone that is dealing with any kind of emotional trauma? I would say talk, definitely talk about it. Uh, definitely don't suppress, um, things and take a hard look at yourself and situational relationships that you're in currently and previously to help you pinpoint what the problem is, because sometimes you don't even realize that you're dealing with the traumas. Um, and you really have to take a hard look at yourself and your life. Um, journaling really is very helpful for me, it was sometimes journaling isn't helpful for people. Um, that's why therapy can really help because the therapist can have you kind of look at yourself in the mirror and take you through the actions and the steps to get you to the place where you start to recognize things. 
Um, and I know that therapy is very limited now because of health insurance and stuff like that, but I actually use Talkspace. Um, it's an app and you can purchase like video sessions and, you know, or just talking sessions with them. Um, it's a little pricey, but it's worth it, you know, um, instead of like buying, you know, a pair of shoes or something, you know, invest in yourself. That's the best advice that I can give. So definitely self-awareness, therapy, and love yourself because you're going to be stuck with yourself the rest of your life. Preach. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I'm so happy you were on this. I, I want to get to know you more outside of this because like you really are so well-spoken and you have such a beautiful soul and I love humans that are vulnerable. So thank you for, you know, it takes a lot of courage to do this. Um, <laughs> And you spoke about some real shit. And I just, I want to say I'm proud of you because that was a lot to go through as a teenager and look where you are now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Still single, <laughs> still a single dog mom. So the hot non fuck boys out there, you just, you just slide in my DMs and we can work oh, on it. Oh our- my gosh. Well, listen, I'm a still single cat daddy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you here with my cats and I'm like, great. <laughs> go we can go on the prowl together in miami say, i need to like go do another miami trip in texas we go like go out yes and bring um oxana with you I will. but um thanks for being on this and i'll talk to you later yeah absolutely thank you talk to you later on nana tings